My Car Guru, episode 196. Okay, I have a confession to make. It's really tough being an oil, natural gas, and coal baron. Yeah, you know, I have, uh, I've got all this property up in West Virginia, and um, it's, we're, we've been waiting for the ship to come in for a long time. And uh, I think Manchin's pipeline got shot down. Mansion, you know, Senator Mansion, the guy from West Virginia. Well, that's where my property is up there. I've got 1,200 acres. Okay, let me make this real. I inherited this. This uh, is something that took place back in the 30s. Uh, my grandmother lived in a little town in Jackson County, West Virginia. It was called Ripley, and their entire family had a lot of farmland and stuff like that. They had about, I think at one time, 1,500 acres that the family shared. And so as they sold the property, they kept the mineral rights. So that has been passed down from generation to generation. And for the last 10 years or so, um, I have been responsible for paying the property taxes up there. How much do you think the property taxes are on 1,200 acres? Well, you know, if you're talking about 1,200 acres here in Tennessee, it'd be pretty high. But on 1,200 acres of mineral rights property, it's about 68 bucks a year, so I think I can handle it. But I'm waiting for the ship to come in. You know, I was really hoping that that pipeline would get approved and that somebody wants to drill. And now, I looked at the records. You know, it's kind of interesting to go back and all this stuff that my parents left for me, this combination of letters and business dealings and just wonderful things that I have been able to discover and learn about my parents. One of the things I've learned is that I didn't, I didn't really know them. You know, I loved them. And uh, I wish I'd, when I was younger, had been more interested in history, but now this history is just hitting me in the face, and I just love it. It's consuming sometimes. It takes me away from my work at times because I just, I, I far more enjoy digging into our past than to deal with some of the issues with business and, you know, everyday life. But anyway, uh, they actually have derived some pretty good income leasing this property to uh, different gas companies and coal companies and stuff like that. Mostly natural gas, though. So uh, we shall see what happens. I'll keep you informed. By the way, this is Lindy Lawson, the car guru. And, um, you know, we do need oil for cars, at least in the foreseeable future. And so, um, but, and I think natural gas is going to be the big deal. That's where most of our energy comes from anyway. And it's clean energy, relatively speaking. So I'm prepared for somebody to approach me. You know, if you want to sell mineral rights um, to property or if you want to lease something, you have to reach out. I've done some Googling and found a lot of companies, and that's what they do. They lease um, land from you if they think it holds promise. And a lot of this has been used, and, and um, they do tests to make sure that there's oil there or natural gas and then they come in and they lease the land from you and you reap the profits. And speaking of profits, the auto industry has been really good from a profitability standpoint. Does that make sense to you? You know, that the industry has sold so many fewer vehicles than they did just two years ago. I mean, we were at 18 million new vehicle sales a year, approaching 19 million. This year, we're going to be somewhere around 13 to 14 million. So the volume is way down. Well, why are the car companies and dealers and so forth making so much more money? Hmm? 
Well, it's the transaction price from a dealer's standpoint. For the factory, they haven't had to incentivize people to buy vehicles. They haven't had to offer low interest financing as much, you know, 0%. And they haven't had to incentivize vehicles, uh, like putting three and four and $5,000 rebates on things to get them to sell. So that saves them a lot of money when they don't have to do that. So the profitability has been there for car companies and for car dealers. Is that getting ready to change? Yes, it is. According to NADA, uh, U.S. light vehicle sales remain in lower gear as the third quarter winds down. I'm reading right now. While slumping consumer sentiment, that's the attitude, threatens a further downshift. Cox Automotive on Wednesday cut its full-year new vehicle sales outlook to $13.7 million, down more than 9% from 2021. And that's the industry's lowest sales in more than a decade. Um, when you look at what it was, um, let's see, what was their forecast? Their forecast was $16 million for this year. So they've gotten more and more and more pessimistic. Are you pessimistic about stuff, things that are going on? You know, if you watch TV enough, that'll drag you down. I just don't think it's worth it. Because I can't control it, right? I mean, if I've got plenty to be worried about, and I don't need any more that I can't control. I'd rather just worry about things that I do have some degree of control over. And, of course, you know, I'm in business. I own, uh, you know, a car dealership in Greenville, Tennessee, and it's been pretty good the last couple of years. But, you know, I can see some the handwriting on the wall, especially when you read reports like this about the industry in general going down. We're actually getting more product now than we were. Nissan sent us a bunch of extra products, so we're good. If you want to buy a Nissan, come on down. But uh, Ford is still pretty tight. And now they're asking us to invest a whole lot of money in um, EVs, which uh, probably not going to do. You know, I think I'm going to wait for round two. I, I'd mentioned the other day that, you know, Ford is dividing their company into two divisions, basically. Uh, Ford Blue, which is internal combustion engines and hybrids which I'm a big fan of, and then the EV business. And, um, you know, they're asking dealers to make a huge financial commitment to EVs, including installing uh, superchargers on the lots. I just don't see a payout on that um, for probably 10 years. But uh, they're going to give us another opportunity to sign up. Round two will come in 2026, I believe. And I think that I'm willing to wait. Uh, California... Also in the news. They're always in the news. They like being in the news. They're cracking down on gap insurance. Now, you, you guys remember what gap insurance is? That's something that a car dealer will sell you when you come to buy a car and you go into the finance office, and they'll present you a menu of items that you can choose from, everything from a service contract, extended warranty, or um, gap insurance and other products like prepaid maintenance and, and so forth and so on. So gap insurance steps in if you total your vehicle or if your vehicle is stolen and you owe more money on it than what the insurance company is willing to pay, then gap insurance companies step in and pay that difference so that you are made whole and don't have to, you know, drain your IRA to pay off your negative balance. Well, gap insurance has been becoming very easy to sell product back you know, started about 10 years ago because everybody was upside down. Well, not everybody, but most people. 
because cars depreciated so quickly that, um, you know, you drove off the lot. You're, you were upside down 20%. Well, maybe not that much, probably 10 to 20%. And so that was kind of scary, and, and it was not very hard to sell that type of coverage to somebody when you painted that scenario. Well, that scenario hasn't existed for the last two years because cars have not depreciated in value. They have appreciated in value. And people are st- still buying Gap. And still aggress- and dealers are still aggressively selling Gap to people that probably shouldn't buy it. So you, ne- you really need to look and uh, think about that before you buy Gap insurance. I am a fan if somebody is um, really upside down. Let's say that you... You own a vehicle, and you know you've traded several times in recent years, and and you have been compounding the problem of negative equity. You know you think that that it's all good because you can afford the monthly payment, although your payment is going up every time you trade. You have rationalized it in your head that this is okay. I'm getting a new car, and and I can afford a new payment. But when you go to trade it after doing this, flipping from one car to another a couple times, you know whereas Earliest, early on, you were probably at a break-even point, and now you're $20,000 upside down. We've seen that before on really expensive vehicles, like people that are trading on a regular basis and not paying anything down, and they're just carrying over that negative equity. And when a bank is willing to offer financing up to 130% of book value, it's pretty easy to get upside down. So Gap Insurance will step in and do that. But California is upset. Uh, Gavin Newsom, maybe. He's upset because people are having to pay um, what they think is outrageous prices for gap insurance. So just watch it. And, you know, I think gap insurance should probably uh, cost in the six to $800 range, maybe. You know, and that would cover you for a long time. You know, if you bought gap and you don't want it, you know, if you're in a contract right now, most of the stuff that you bought in the finance office is cancelable. Now, what happens to that money when you cancel it? Well, if you have the car financed, it's a little different scenario, which you do. I mean, you wouldn't have a lot of that stuff if you didn't have a car financed. You wouldn't buy gap insurance if you paid cash. Doesn't make sense. But, you know, if you uh, did finance that, let me tell you what happens. I'll tell you that here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. Okay, so you go into a dealership. And you buy a car. You know, you're there most of the day, and you're negotiating back and forth. And finally, you settle on something, and you you agree to the terms. And then you go into the finance office, and the finance manager is going to sit there and sell you different products or offer you different products. And whatever you buy, like a service contract, gap insurance, prepaid maintenance, uh, some certain packages like, uh, I don't know, wheel protection, tire protection, dent and ding, you know, dealers sell all, have all different kinds of offerings. But let's say you buy that stuff. Some of it is cancelable and some is not. But gap insurance is. So let's say you go in a couple weeks later, you decide, you know, I don't think we need that gap insurance. You know, as a matter of fact, I don't think we need that extended warranty. Then you can go into the dealership and say, I want to cancel it. And they'll, well, some of them will, you know, put some squeeze on you and say, well, you know, you really don't need to cancel this, or why do you want to cancel it? Let me explain why you should keep it. Nah, I think I'll cancel it. So you fill out the paperwork and sign it. What happens to the money? You don't get the money. The money goes to the bank where you finance the vehicle. It reduces your 
unpaid balance. So if you thought you were going to use that to go buy Christmas presents and go on a Bahamas vacation, well, you're not going to be able to because it's going to go to the bank. Now, your, does your payment go down? Nope. Your payment doesn't go down. Um, it basically comes off the end of the note. You're still paying interest and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a good deal. So don't buy that stuff if you think you're going to want to turn right around and cancel it. Now, when you do cancel all those products, legitimately cancel them because you trade cars, then there should be refund money there. Let's say that it was a, I don't know, five-year, five-year, 100,000-mile extended warranty, and you trade within two or three years. You know, I'm wondering why you bought a, an extended warranty if you trade every two or three years anyway. doesn't make sense. But a lot of people do it and because they think, well, you know, I might keep it that long. But if you end up canceling because you trade, then uh, there will be a refund, and you will have to pay off the note, basically. Uh, at the bank for the full amount, which it includes the service contract price and all that stuff. And then a check will be mailed to you or to the dealership. And, you know, you may have to harass them to get that money, unfortunately. You know, what if, if you traded cars last month and you canceled all that stuff, you paid off your car, you didn't buy something else, you paid off your car. month later, 60 days later, you still don't have a refund on your service contract. Somebody forgot to file the paperwork. And I would go to the dealership and ask to speak to the finance manager first. And if you're not getting good answers from him, because really a lot of them don't handle cancellations. Uh, you may have to go to the main office and say, you know, I, I sold my or paid off my car and I still don't have my refund. It might be sitting there in their bank account and they just forgot to call you. Could be an oversight. But that's your money, and you please don't forget that it's there. Um, if you trade cars, there, there are going to be some cancellations that you can use basically as down payment on your next car. Um, you know, a lot of people do that. It's money that's hanging out there, but it's not there if you have, you know, gone beyond the term of the warranty. And a lot of those warranties are canceled based on time or mileage, whichever is greater. So, you know, if you've had it, Let's say you bought a, uh, an extended warranty for five years, 100,000 miles. You trade in two years. Well, there's three years remaining. But if you put, you know, I don't know, 90,000 miles on the car, you're not going to get much of a refund. So they're going to give you the, uh, the lesser of the time or the mileage that's, that's left over. So uh, just keep that in mind. Gap insurance is just based on the term. It's not based on mileage, obviously. Has, mileage has nothing to do with it. But there's some other products that you know, like the dent and dinged um, paint sealant, you know, if you buy some kind of a product for that, those aren't cancelable. That money is gone. You know, sometimes they'll have key replacement built into those. Um, they will have uh, dent and ding, like if you get a door ding at Walmart or something like that, then they will, you know, pay to uh, fix that. If you have tire and wheel protection, it will, if you have a blowout, they'll replace your tire. If you have a a damaged curb rash on your 20-inch wheels, then they'll pay to fix that. Uh, and typically, you have to go through the sales department to make a claim on something like that. If you go into the service department, they won't know what you're talking about. Uh, they didn't sell you the product. They don't have it on the system saying that you bought any of that. Yeah, they should, but they don't. So most dealerships handle that through their sales department. Uh, wouldn't it be great, though, if you could just call your car guy that works at the dealership and he just takes care of everything. 
Who is your car guy? Do you have one? Do you know the first and last name of the guy who sold you your car or the girl that sold you the car? No, you don't remember them. And they may not still be working there. And that's one of the reasons that when when you buy a car, you know, go to a dealership and ask the receptionist which salesperson has been here the longest. How long has he been here? Oh, he's been here for about 15 years. That's the guy I want to talk to. You know, somebody that's been there a long time. Um, you know, anybody can go in and become a car salesperson and make a decent living for about 90 days. You know, they're new. They pay attention to what the sales managers say. They follow the process. The customers like them. They're enthusiastic. And then all of a sudden, something happens. They get lazy, and they start taking shortcuts. Now, that's not all of them, but I'm telling you, folks, that's about 70% of them. It's, maybe it's 80%. The, I believe in the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of the salespeople do it right, and 80% don't. And it's, I don't know whether the money gets to them, um, whether it just becomes too easy. And so, you know, I sold a car last week, and uh, the people paid for it, and I didn't even have to go on a test drive with them. You know, I, I was talking to a guy, that, a good friend of mine, I've known for a lot of years. He was an attorney general at one time. And uh, we've been, like I say, we've known each other. I coached his son in uh, basketball for many years and just good people. And he came in and he was interested in a vehicle that I uh, had, a new one that I had for sale. And I said, well, let's, let me get it out of the showroom so you can drive. He said, I don't need to drive it. I said, now listen, you need to drive. He says, I never drive cars when I buy cars. I mean, they're new, aren't they? And I said, yes, it's new. But you might not like the way it rides. You might not be able to see out of it. The seat might not be comfortable. The tires might vibrate. Who knows? Yeah, it's under warranty and everything. And if things go wrong, it'll be taken care of. But there's so much more to buying and owning a car than that. You want to love it, right? You, you want it to, be the, to pass the uh, next day garage test when you walk into your garage and you open that door, do you still love it? And are you so excited that it is a part of your family now? If it doesn't pass that test, it's probably your fault because you shouldn't have bought it to begin with. So, and, and you know, and that test keeps going on, you know, like for the next 30 days. And if you start going south on your car in 30 days, those are the people that end up getting upside down because they trade too often and they're not satisfied with what they bought because they didn't test drive it. So guess what? He test drove it, and he likes it, and that's good. But what if he didn't? Then, you know, I would have either sold him something else or we'd have, we would have just waited. But that's the way you want to do it. Always test drive the car. But my main point here is that I am his car guy. If he has a question about a car, if he has a problem with one of his cars, you know, from a mechanical standpoint, or he wrecks one, guess who he calls first? Me, because I'm his car guy. You need one. And so develop a relationship with that salesperson if they're good, you know, if they've been there for a long time, not if they're one of the, you know, fly-by-nighters. You, you want to get somebody that's, that's good, and once you connect with them, then they'll take care of you. You know, I make service appointments to this day for many of my customers that I've sold over the last 20 years. They'll call me, Lenny, can I get in and get an oil change? 
Well, guess what? I own the dealership. They can get an oil change. You know? I mean, it's just having that um, connection and a source of information. It's just like I have a guy that I call if I have an electrical problem at my house. I got his cell phone number. You know, I've got a plumber. I've got his cell phone number. The, those are important relationships. And when you go in and buy a car, what is the? There's no better opportunity than to meet somebody that can really have a positive impact on your car life. And that's what it's all about. Okay, I'll be back in just a minute. Well, I know that's a lot of information, but it's still information that can save you money, make you money, and make your life easier. You know, my whole mission is to improve your car life. I can't help with the other things, but I can help your car life. And if I can help you in some way, you know my cell phone number. It is 423-552-2020. You can send me a text or you can call me. It might go to voicemail, but I will call you back. Or you can email me, LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. Yeah, I have a corporate email too, but I'm giving you my personal email because I want to be here for you. So thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will, uh, I'll be back, I promise, next time.